Hello, welcome to the David Eagle Podcast. In 2016, I recorded a podcast every single day in a project called David's Daily Digital Dollop. In order to streamline things and unclutter things a little bit, rather than having 366 podcasts for 2016 alone, I have created these weekly omnibus editions. This is week 20. This sound is a transitional sound to mark the fact that I'm moving on to the next dollop. Enjoy. I'm whispering because Ben is in bed. It's quite late in the evening. I'm recording this night, 11 o'clock. It's Ben's in bed, so I'm whispering. So it's going to be a whispered podcast. You like that idea, Chloe? Yeah. That's such an old reference now. I haven't mentioned Chloe for, for ages. I don't even know if she's around anymore. I mean, I assume she's alive. I mean, I don't know if she's listening. She might have moved on to another folk singer's blog. How very fickle, Chloe. Anyway, it's a bit pointless speaking to her. She's not here. Oh, let me know if you're here, Chloe. Come on. Let's get rid of this anonymity. Who's anonymity? Oh, well, that's okay. I don't mind if Chloe's gone, as long as Anna, anonymity's there. <laughs> Hello, Anna. Good to have you on board. Anyway, David's Daily Digital Dollop. Dollop 137. My alter ego is back, courtesy of The Big Issue. Today I accidentally knelt on my phone and severely cracked the screen. I was surprised to note how calm and unbothered I was, bearing in mind the bits of the screen were starting to flake and fall off. I merely brushed them onto my desk and put them in the bin before coolly returning to my phone to inspect what was left of my screen. I was surprised by my level of zen-like collectedness and coolness. Perhaps it's the therapeutic influence of all those cats on me from Saturday. If so, then it was well worth the five pounds and the salad stealing. Maybe we could drag Trump to the cafe for a day and see if it can sort him out a bit. Apple have tested the iPhones for durability by doing tests that involve dropping them from a variety of heights. And there are bold statements that brag about their resilience, seemingly supported by videos with titles such as An Apple iPhone survives the ultimate drop test, plummeting 9,300 feet out of a plane. There are loads of these videos, people encasing the phones in ice, people dropping their phones from the top of really tall buildings, and even one where the phone is dropped from space. I suppose the idea is that if a phone can survive a drop of over 9,000 feet, then it can survive anything. However, this is far from the truth. Granted, if you were the kind of person who is clumsy enough to drop your phone from 9,000 feet, then it's reassuring to know that Apple have you covered. But if you're the kind of reckless buffoon who does something really stupid, like kneeling on their phone for half a second, then I'm afraid you won't be so lucky. I think I might join the geeky tech reviewers and set up my own YouTube channel reviewing phones. Only I will focus on putting the phones through their paces when it comes to being knelt on for half a second. I accept that it wouldn't be as exciting and as dramatic and cinematic as dropping a phone from a plane, but I would argue that it's much more practical and that more people are likely to briefly kneel on their phone than drop it from 9,000 feet or accidentally freeze it in ice for a week. I think Apple might want to sort out their priorities a little bit here. In dollop 95... I'm sure you'll probably remember this. Oh, yes, we all remember what was going on in Dollop 95. But just for those who aren't aware, in Dollop 95, I mentioned that I'd done an interview with The Big Issue about the young'uns. That article has been released today, as I discovered due to a tweet from The Big Issue, which declared that they had an interview with Dave Eagles from the young'uns. I can't understand how they managed to get my name wrong. I emailed the answers to their interview questions back to them via david at davideagle.co.uk. I have a signature at the bottom of my email that includes my name, David Eagle, my website, davideagle.co.uk, and my Twitter name, at the David Eagle. Also, at the very top of the document that I sent them, in bold letters, it says, Answers 
by David Eagle, The Young'uns. Even after all those clues, if you still weren't entirely sure, a second's worth of Googling would soon tell you that I am called David Eagle. So how and why did they abbreviate my first name and pluralise my surname? I don't mind people calling me Dave. Some of my friends sometimes do. But when it comes to my website, my name in any press articles or PR material, newspaper magazines or web articles, I am always referred to as David Eagle. On my first day at my office job about six years ago, I was given my own email address. Great, I am officially part of the team, I thought. Except my email address started with david.eagles. I immediately notified the person who had created my email account, but she didn't seem particularly bothered about changing it, and so I was just stuck with it. At first, whenever people referred to me as David Eagles in their email, I would correct them and tell them that I was actually called David Eagle. But I communicated with so many different people and different departments and different organisations that it just became too time-consuming and tedious to keep putting them right. It also just seemed a bit pointless. If I was at a meeting with other organisations, I would introduce myself as David Eagle, and then later, if I had to give out my email address, I would have to say that it was David.Eagles, and then explain the whole situation, which took up time, confused people, and also didn't really advertise the place that I was working for in a very good light. Do we really want to do business with a company who can't set up an email account properly? And then, when they've realised that they've made an error, can't even be bothered to correct it. Also, I was getting phone calls from people complaining that I hadn't replied to their emails, and then I discovered that the reason for that was because they'd emailed David.Eagle instead of David.Eagles. I mentioned this to my managers several times, but nothing ever got done about it. So in the end, I decided it would be a lot easier just to change my name to David Eagles. So while I was at work, I was David Eagles. I introduced myself to people as David Eagles, and that's how I was known at work. God, this is a bit boring, isn't it? Bloody hell. Oh, God. Bloody hell. I've said the same thing like three or four times. No wonder it's taken me at 11 o'clock to write this. What an absolute shambles. I do apologise, Phil, if you haven't listened to this. I especially feel sorry for the people reading it. People are reading this, and they don't even get my apology halfway through. They're probably thinking, I think this is a masterpiece. I might have to leave a comment apologising. I just... I... Oh. Anyway, it's getting even longer now. I'll just continue. I think it's, it's nearly finished. It just seemed like the easiest thing to do. I'm still going. Still bloody good. It just seemed like the easiest thing to do. And anyway, this job had already managed to rob me of my dreams, my sense of optimism and hope, so they might as well rob me of my identity too. Another thing that the editor at the... Well, we're moving on, are we? We're moving on. Another thing that the editor at The Big Issue has somehow managed to do is get the name of our podcast wrong. It is down as the Young's Podcast. Young apostrophe S. You'd have thought the most cursory of reads would have highlighted this mistake. Given that the name of our band is The Young'uns, it's unlikely that we'd call our podcast The Young's Podcast. I don't know how they've managed to make this mistake, given that I wrote the answers. The answers were typed up by me, so all they had to do was just leave what I'd written in and it would have all been accurate. I've checked the email that I sent them, and this is what I wrote. Listen to our podcast, The Young'uns Podcast, which features loads of great music, chat and clips from our gigs. I'm sure that you can work out how to find it. You seem like a clever bunch. But, for some reason, this is how the published article reads. Listen to our podcast, The Young's Podcast, 
which features loads of great music, chats and clips from our gigs. I'm sure that you can find it yourself. You seem like a clever bunch. Well, they've got to be even cleverer now, as they'll have to deduce that this information is incorrect and that the podcast is in fact called the Young'uns Podcast. If you type the Young's Podcast into Google, then you are unlikely to find it. You get Jimmy Young's Podcast, the Young Entrepreneur Podcast, Kirsty Young's Desert Island Discs Podcast, Young Lions Dancehall Reggae Bashment DMB Podcast, Tim Young's Contrast Podcast, etc, etc. If you do type Young's Podcast into Google, we're not even in the first 100 search results. And then I gave up after that. All I can assume is that they've put the article through a spell checker and it's corrected the name. Although, bearing in mind that our band is called the Young'uns, you'd have thought that they would have realised. And anyway, I think you'll find that I already spell-checked it, and it was all fine. I have employed Jules as my secretary. There you go, a lovely in-joke for the uh, old-time dollop fans there. David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 138, The Good Morning Game. We're going on another walk. I know I tried it before, and arguably it didn't work, although actually I got quite a lot of positive comments from it. When I first devised this dollop idea, I didn't imagine that it would just literally be me sitting on a computer and writing things every day. I thought that some days it would just be me doing like a little podcast type thing, just jotting a few ideas down, just having a bit more stream of consciousness, and it hasn't really worked like that, apart from that brilliant one that I did on Friday. So let's see if we can recreate the magic. It'll be difficult to recreate the magic from Friday. I mean, that was pretty special. I've got a story to tell you. As well as me telling that story though, I thought we'd play a little bit of a game. I'm gonna say good morning to people. Anyone that I pass, I'm gonna say good morning to them. Will they just say good morning back? Or will they correct me and say good afternoon? Little game I've just thought of. Because I think sometimes you accidentally say good morning and someone will just say, oh, good morning, even though it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. In the cat cafe, they kept saying good morning, even though it was two o'clock in the afternoon. Three staff said it to me, good morning. And I didn't know whether that was maybe because they were on cat time. You know, maybe it is the morning for the cats. Did you hear that car? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not doing that again, it's fine. It's a little experiment. Will people just say it? Maybe out of politeness, maybe people will just say good morning. Or maybe because they're just not thinking, it's just an automatic response. Or will people correct me? And then the thing is, you see, you can have a little bit of fun as well. You can guess how many people will. I mean, obviously, you don't know how many people I'm going to interview, I'm going to speak to, but you could do it on a percentage basis. You could say, I think, 80% will. Maybe you've got a few of you listening, maybe you're having David's Daily Digital Dot parties, and you could all take bets. Maybe pause the recording now and say, oh, I think 80%, oh, I think 75%. Have a little bit of a thing, maybe put a little bit of a sweepstake in there. Maybe you're on a long car journey with the family. This is a great way of passing the time. It is three o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, I was in the taxi. This is on the way to the Sheffield train station on the Saturday before we went to the Kitty Cafe. Well, having a bit of a conversation with the taxi driver, it was the usual thing. I mean, it started out, we were talking about the weather or something, and then at one point he asked me how much I could see and all that usual stuff. That's for me, obviously, being blind. I assume you don't get that as well if you go into a taxi. The usual stuff that you talk about with the taxi drivers, you know, being busy, uh, you know, you do the whole weather thing, how long you work until, and then, you get on the, oh, so what's your level of eyesight? I assume it's not that. For most people, it's just for me, because I can't see. So we're having a bit of a chat about that. It was an okay conversation. It was just following the standard protocol. And then, right at the end, when I'd paid for the taxi fare, and I was just about to get out of the car, I had my hand on the door handle, and I was just about to pull it, and he said, no, 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 sir, let me, let me get the door for you. 
And I had the door, I had the door handle in my hand, as I say. Like I had hold of the handle, I was actually pulling the handle. I just had to move a tiny bit more and the, the door would have been open. But he was so sort of adamant, no, 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 let me get the door. That I had to wait. His side of the door was quite busy, so it like, took about 30 seconds. He had his engine running, all the taxis were waiting to get through, and we're getting a bit irritated. But he's like, oh, I'm helping this man. And I'm thinking, well, you're not really helping me, you're just like... So then I had to take my hand off the door handle <laughs> and wait for him to help me. And the slightly weird thing about this as well, I was running late for the train, and there was a chance that I would miss the train if I didn't get out now. But this taxi driver was having to cross the road, and there was like there were cars on the other side of the road, and impatient taxi drivers beeping. He was arguing and remonstrating with them. <laughs> I was thinking, this is pointless. You know, and it could take another 30 seconds or a minute before he can get me out. And I could do this myself. I could have been out the car and to the train station now. I might be late for my train. I might miss the train. And then, you know, I mean, imagine missing the kitty cafe. Imagine that. I mean, that would have ruined everything. I mean, the, most importantly, it would have meant that I wouldn't have had a dollop for that day. And obviously it would have let Ruth down as well, but I mean, that's sort of a secondary thing. I'm being polite, I'm sort of, I don't want to move because I'm, I'm sort of being sensitive towards this taxi driver. He thinks he's helping me, but actually I'm helping him. I'm facilitating his ability for him to feel like he's doing the right thing. Then I was making myself potentially late for the train, and he was then getting in trouble arguing with these taxi drivers, but I was letting him do this. So I didn't move, I just stayed there, even though I knew it was potentially scuppering my plans. And I was sort of caught, trapped in this politeness paralysis like unable to to move because i was afraid of upsetting this taxi driver <laughs> and then he opened the door for me and then he took me across the road and then as he took me across the road he suddenly said something to me the most compelling thing one of the weirdest things and the most compelling things i've ever heard from a taxi driver and annoyingly, he said it when there wasn't any time or any chance of asking what he meant. Because his engine was running, and his taxi was at the other side of the road, and there was already other taxi drivers peeping the horns and stuff. As he took me across the road, and just as we got across, he said to me, One day, I wish to be blind. And I said, What? And he went, One day, obviously not now. Not, obviously not now, but one day I wish to be blind. And then I couldn't like, ask any more questions because I would be late for the train. Taxi drivers are peeping at him and stuff and his engine was running and anyone could just get in the car. So I had to just leave it there. And so that was the end of it. And I don't know whether he actually meant it or maybe that's what he does with all of his customers. Maybe he just starts off with a bit of boring conversation about the weather and right at the end he just says the most compelling thing that he can think of and then hopes that that'll mean in the future people will request him. Maybe he has a name badge on or something. I didn't see his name badge. Maybe, oh, I need to have Frederick. Frederick, please. And he just keeps on weaving this tapestry of oddness. He has to keep it up, keeps it up every single time just so people keep get asking for Fred because he's created this soap opera. He understands to keep people coming back, to keep clients coming back time and time again to him. He has to create a narrative, a soap opera. He ends every single journey on a cliffhanger. Maybe that was what was going on, I don't know. Oh, here we go, we can do it. The first one. Coming up. Oh, morning. Oh, good morning there, good morning. Good morning, love. Good morning to you as well. Interesting, it does work. Even though... It is the afternoon. People will still say good morning, which I just find incredible. I don't know, it's out of this kind of Britishness, blankness. And how weird as well that we haven't passed anybody on the journey, but we passed two separate people, both of them coming up in the opposite direction. And I thought, oh, I can't say good morning to them both, because that's going to be the most ridiculous thing. Because then what clearly what's going to happen there is that the other one of them's going to hear me saying good morning to the other person. That's going to give them time to think, it's not morning, what the hell is he on about? And then they're going to correct themselves and say afternoon. But it didn't happen. Both of them both say good morning, even though they'd heard the other one say, maybe, maybe the other person saying good morning made them think, oh God, maybe it is. 
maybe I've put that first. Both of those people now, their worlds are out of kilter. Because at first they were thinking, oh no, it's not good morning, it's just one deranged person. But now that two people have said it, maybe this is this is caused. How many people need to say good morning before the world is convinced that it's the morning? Interesting social experiment. I could be a sociologist with experiments like this. We could try it among the different ethnic groups as well. I could take a survey on people's sexual preference. Oh, somebody else here. Morning. Yep, morning. I see you. Morning. Another morning. Even though it is afternoon. Everyone says morning. What is going on? That woman was getting to a car and the door was just about to close. And I had to, I had to properly shout it. Like, there was no way. That was almost menacing the good morning. Normally you'd say good morning to someone if you were just passing them. You wouldn't just shout morning at them just as they get in the car. <laughs> morning! <laughs> this is what I did there. But they did respond with a good morning, which means it's 3-0. Morning! No, you see, now we've had, so we've had one ignore and three good mornings, and I feel as if I should have left it there. I should have left it when we were on a high with a 3-0. Does an ignoring count? No, I don't think an ignore counts. Okay, well, let's put it up. Let's have, let's have three boxes. Let's have a, a good morning box, an ignore box, and uh, a correction box, like an afternoon or something like that. And we might have other like, categories as time goes on. Like, what about a good morning, but a good morning said with a question? Good morning. Good morning. That kind of thing. That's still technically a good morning, but it's being questioned. Would I just stick that on the, the good afternoon list? Or would I have a separate box of them? This game is very much in its infancy, but it shall evolve over time. After yesterday's social experiment, in which I walked down the street at 3pm and said good morning to people to see if they would unquestioningly say good morning back, I have been thinking about ways of developing this fascinating social study. Now I know that some people will be happy just to stick with the tried and tested format, which has clearly been such a massive success with the audience. I don't want to brag, but I got three Facebook likes for yesterday's dollop. Yeah. But I'm not the kind of person who sees that kind of success and then just gets stuck in a rut and keeps doing the same thing over and over again. No, I am constantly reinventing myself and evolving. Who knows, next time I do this new and improved version of the Good Morning game, I might even get four Facebook likes. Or maybe even five. I don't want to get too carried away, but still, I suppose you do have to aim high and dream big. So yesterday's result indicated that out of everyone who spoke to me in the street, all of them said good morning back. Oops, sorry, maybe I should have issued a spoiler alert there. For those people who hadn't got around to listening to it yet, perhaps saving that particular episode for a special occasion. Maybe one of your David's daily digital dollop parties. I think that next time, though, I should push things even further. The first part will be the same. I will go on to the street at about three in the afternoon, and I shall say good morning to people. Then, when someone says good morning back, I will then ask them for the time. And then, once the time is given, thank the person and say good morning to them again, and see if they still respond with good morning. I think this will both be entertaining and a worthwhile social experiment. Part of me thinks that people still will. They'll hear me say good morning and they'll just unquestioningly say good morning. It's like an autopilot response. Perhaps I could then put my findings to a psychologist and we could discuss them on the dollop. When I first set up David's Daily Digital Dollop, it was very much with the Rethian philosophy in mind of entertaining, informing and educating. I'm sure that if you are a regular dollop reader or listener, then I'm sure you'll agree that you've all learned some valuable lessons over the last four and a half months. Even if what you've learned is simply how much of your life you've wasted listening to and reading all of these hours of dollops. Although I think some of you might have had that collective realisation yesterday. Three Facebook likes indeed. When I was talking to my housemate Ben about yesterday's social experiment, he reminded me of something that happened when we were both at university together. 
We were on a walk, and there were lots of cyclists on the route. Every time a cyclist drew level with me, I would wait about quarter of a second until they were just passing me, and then shout, Excuse me, do you have the time? Most of the cyclists would look round, surprised. Some would give an apologetic shrug, and others would scowl at me. But quite a few of them actually did glance at their watches and then shout the time back at me. Looking back now, I suppose it was a bit of a reckless thing to do, given that it could have caused a cyclist to have had an accident, as they had to look back over their shoulder and then glance at their watch before shouting the time back. This is why I was surprised by the amount of cyclists who actually managed to do this. Ben was trying not to let his amusement show, and kept hiding his face, brimming with tears of laughter at the sight of the suddenly startled cyclists. But then, one time I did it, and a man looked back over his shoulder, completely surprised to hear a voice from behind him, and nearly toppled off his bike. Ben involuntarily burst into loud laughter and fell to the ground and started helplessly rolling around on the ground in hysterics. Ben's reaction caused me to also start laughing really loudly. The cyclist threw his bike down and came running towards us, shouting and swearing and saying that he was going to kill us. Ben, sensing the danger, tried to get up off the ground, grab me and make a run to safety. But he was laughing too hard to manage the getting up and running part. Although he did succeed in grabbing me, which caused me to fall to the ground with him and we both promptly began to roll to safety down the hill and into some bushes. We both lay there for a while while the psycho cyclist yelled that he would find us and sort us out. Fortunately the man must have eventually got back on his bike because the shouting stopped and we deemed it safe to crawl out of the bushes. Hopefully the man doesn't find this dollop and decide to come after me because it would be very easy for him to find me. Given that my gigs with the young'uns are advertised very publicly all over the internet plus I broadcast what I'm doing every day in this blog. If the man does still feel angry about that episode and wants to get his revenge on me then it would be very simple for him to strike. If he could remain patient and wasn't in a big hurry to get his revenge then he could simply wait until I was in his local area and then strike then, saving him the need to even travel. I mean, he's waited 12 years, so what does another few months matter? Please, if you care about me at all, then make sure that you don't mention this dollop to anyone you know who is a cyclist, especially if they were likely to have been cycling around the Scarborough area in 2004. Thank you. So, providing that I've not been killed by a psycho cyclist, or by anyone else who wants to kill me and decided that now would be the perfect time to do so, because all of the suspicion will be focused on cyclists in Scarborough, I'll be back tomorrow. We are doing a couple of festivals this weekend. If you're at Shepley Festival on Friday, then you will have the opportunity of seeing our first gig with a married man in the group, as it will be Sean's first gig since his wedding. See if you notice any difference in the performance. Fear not, though, if you're worried about the young'uns becoming really bland as a result of this matrimony, I am still single, so I'll still be showing off in a desperate bid to impress people and be liked. Returning to gigging will probably result in quite a few more people visiting this website and blog. The numbers always seem to rise whenever I'm gigging, and then die down down a little bit during a non-gigging period. How quickly they forget. When we won the Folk Award this year, the number of visitors to my website quadrupled. On the day of the Folk Award win, I got loads of people flocking to my website, and the same for the day after. But then, within a week, the numbers had returned to normal. This might have been because they are very fickle and quick to move on. Or it could have been that these new people found my blog, read that day's entry, thought, that was a bit rubbish. But, you know, we'll give him another try, we'll come back tomorrow, see if he's any better. Which they did, only to find that that blog post was also a bit rubbish and so eventually gave up after a few tries. If only they'd stuck it out a bit longer and they would have heard me saying good morning to people in the street at three o'clock in the afternoon and ruminating about killing and cooking cats. It is clearly their loss. But it does generally seem that visitors do pick up when I'm gigging. Obviously this is partly caused by people seeing us performing and then searching for things like David Eagle Blind or David Eagle Autistic. 
Maybe I'll try and deliberately engineer people's curiosity in order to bring me more people to my site. I could, for instance, speak with a variety of different accents during the gig, causing people to Google me in order to find out where I'm from. Or I could hobble around the stage, leading people to search for David Eagle Leg or David Eagle Limp. Actually, maybe that's not such a good idea, as I'd rather people didn't type David Eagle Limp into Google, as it'll probably take you to a rather humiliating revenge porn video of me put up by an ex. In my defence, though, I was very tired and under the weather. I really don't understand the concept of revenge porn. I think if I put a video of me having sex with someone on the internet, surely I'd just be humiliating myself just as much as the other person. Unless you're really confident in your sexual ability and truly feel that this video will paint you in a good light, then it's a bit of a risk to put it out there. Before I could publish the video on the internet, I'd have to sit down with someone and get them to watch it with me and then give me some audio description of what was going on. And I'd have to ask them to be really honest about whether I'd be massively humiliating myself by posting this. And be honest, do I look big in this? No, sadly not. Not at all, David. And I'm not sure about the part when you shouted, the eagle has landed. I think that just makes you come across as a really big prick, which is ironic considering I'm pretty good at audio editing, so if it was audio revenge porn, then I'd be confident about being able to make it more flattering towards me. I could extend and loop certain sections to make it seem like the event had lasted a lot longer than it had. I could probably take her very occasional noises and statements of encouragement and paste them into the audio at various intervals to make her sound as if she's enjoying it a lot more than she was. I could also then overdub some bits after the event so I could say things like, could you handle another hour of this? And, okay, so that's what I can make you feel without moving. Now I'm going to start moving. But when it comes to video, I can't do any of these clever editing tricks, and so it'd be massively humiliating for me if I released a video. So don't worry, your secret is safe, Michael. I wonder if anyone finds this blog by typing blind porn, or David Eagle porn, or maybe even just eagle porn, which is something very different. Sorry if I've wasted your time there, if you clicked on this website hoping to see some sexy, hot, bird-based action. Keep popping back, though, from time to time. You never know. We're playing a free festival in Kings Lynn, Norfolk today. By free, I mean free for the audience. We'll still be getting our standard fee. 50 quid, a tub of jelly babies, and a sacrificial goat. Well, you know, we've won two folk awards now, so we can get away with charging such fees. I mean, we've had the sacrificial goat on our rider for years. The jelly babies and the 50 quid came after the prestige of the award wins, and was wangled by our unscrupulous hard-nosed agent. It'll be interesting to see how many people turn up to watch us, as our performance is on at the same time as the FA Cup final. Plus, it's forecast to rain, and the festival is outdoors without any covering. The last time I was in Kings Lynn was in 2005, when Sean and I went hitchhiking. We got picked up by Stefan, a man in his 60s, who as well as offering to take us to a good pickup spot a few miles down the road, also suggested that we went back to his house first for some food and drink and to freshen up. However, our time with Stefan brought us a lot more than mere repast. We got to his house, and then he offered us food and drink, and we got chatting. He told us that he was really into martial arts. Stand up, boys, he requested. I'll show you what I can do. We were both a little concerned. After all, we'd only just met this man. He had picked us up and driven us to his house, which was a bit off the beaten track. He had then plied us with food and drink. Had he deliberately done this so that we were too bloated to run? Or maybe he'd spiked the drink with something to slow us down and cause us to be fatigued. Maybe that was the reason that he hadn't eaten or drank any of the food that he'd offered us, so that he'd be nimble and energetic enough to practice his martial arts on us. Stand 
up, he excitedly instructed. Nervously, we stood. Now, let me explain what I'm going to do and what's about to happen. My God, this man was a premeditating psychopath who got a perverse pleasure in explaining his planned dastardly deeds on us before he carried them out. He's like a baddie in a film. Hopefully, just like in the films, his narcissistic prevarication would prove to be our saving grace. I mean, there are so many scenarios in films and TV where the baddies spend so long bragging about how great he is, or, or she is. I'm being sexist there, aren't I? Women can be evil shits as well. Sorry, women. There are so many scenarios in films and TV where the baddies spend so long bragging about how great they are and blabbers on about what they're going to do to their foe now that they've captured them that the baddie ends up squandering his opportunity to execute his plans and is thwarted. The baddie could have easily won the day, but his garrulous hubris is his downfall. Maybe we could keep him talking for so long that we'd eventually get discovered and saved. Or we could use the time to hatch an escape plan. He explained that he was able to put energy into parts of his body in order to facilitate him being able to attack and defend easily without even having to tense his muscles and use any physical efforts. Fortunately, his way of proving this to us was fairly innocuous and non-combative. It involved us feeling his arm in order to ascertain that his muscles weren't tensed and then for us to try and move his arm. Upon inspection, it appeared that he wasn't tensing his arm muscles. Yet, when we tried to move his arm, it wouldn't move. Then, he would declare that he was about to dissipate his energy, at which point we were able to move his arm, although we couldn't identify any muscle change. At one point, both Sean and I were trying, while he gleefully shouted, Go on, boys! Harder! Go on! Pull it! Push it! Bend it! But even with the two of us trying, we couldn't move it. But as soon as he said, I'm releasing my energy, boys, we were able to move it again. This was a really fascinating and interesting experience. Although goodness knows what his neighbours must have thought. If they'd have looked out their windows just a few minutes earlier, they would have seen a man in his 60s escorting a couple of teenage boys into his house. Then, mere minutes after we'd disappeared inside, they'd heard him shouting, Go on, boys! Pull it! Push it! Bend it! Go on, boys! Harder! Harder! Can you feel my energy, boys? Can you feel my energy? Can you feel it? I'm releasing my energy now, boys. They would either think there was something disturbingly kinky going on, or that we were playing some kind of advanced and weird version of the game Bop It. So that's the story of when Sean and I tried to pull a man in his 60s in Kings Lynn. Well, that's that story of when Sean and I tried to pull a man in his 60s in Kings Lynn. I mean, I might tell you the other ones at some other time. Cash Cow Marketing Strategies presents Candace Payne Laughs the Classics. Candace Payne, the laughing woman from the hilarious Chewbacca mask video, is back. Or should that be Bark? As in the classical composer Bark. Because we are proud to present a unique compilation of classical music from some of the world's greatest classical composers. Only with the addition of Candace Payne laughing over the top. Hours and hours of classical music, including Beethoven. <laughs> Mozart. <laughs> And me.
many more, including Ha Ha Handles, Ha Ha Hallelujah Chorus. Oh, it's brilliant. I've got all of the Candace Payne laughing compilation albums. I've got Candace Payne laughs death metal, Candace Payne laughs progressive rock, Candace Payne laughs the entire series of Now That's What I Call Music. And the thing is, I never really liked music before. I used to always find it really irritating. But now that it's got the woman from the Chewbacca mask video laughing all over it, I think it's great. This unique collection of classical music includes Candice Payne laughing over the entirety of Wagner's Ring Cycle. Yes, it's the perfect gift for fans of Nazi composers and laughing women from viral videos. It's the best birthday present ever. Celebrity endorsements. Dappy from Endob says, Oh my God, in it, this is Wicked Man. David Cameron says, I'm even more of a fan of this than I am Aston Villa. Candace Payne laughs the classics. Buy it now. This is worth every 